0: Is out. The test is over. Yes, well, I don't like Goodness me! Oh. Wow! But well, it was a beauty. It is out. I love it. And here he goes. This delivery has him
1: using the bold. Oh. On the front foot with Brian Waddle and Jeremy Coney, powered by NewsTalk ZB
2: and iHeartRadio.
0: Hello, and welcome to the final edition of the year of On the Front Foot. We're acknowledging England's remarkable clean sweep over Pakistan, unheard of in the modern era. Was England so good or were Pakistan an ordinary bunch of triers? Just 142 overs needed to complete the GABBA test, saving on new ball costs, I guess. But is it a good advertisement for test cricket? T20 technique doesn't always win test matches. The spark goes out of New Zealand cricket, an expensive experiment. And 2 meter Henry earns a Black Caps call-up for the ODIs in Pakistan and India. And what's batting all about? T20 cricket, of course. Maybe not for the Sydney Thunder, though. They were dismissed for 15. Hardly worth the trouble. Pity it wasn't Test cricket. Our 26 would have been under threat. Jeremy Coney, how about that? All-out 15. You done? Have you done that? Well, I've certainly been dismissed below 15 once. <laughs> I've
2: actually... I've actually got the ignominy of, of a pair in a test, um, which wasn't pleasant. But, um, so that wasn't really worth turning up, was it? Um, Who was that against? But, uh, that was against Aussie. Yeah, 15 runs for an entire team. That, that's, that's a cracker. That's a, that, yeah. that takes a special effort, doesn't
0: it? Good old Brendan Doggett, though. He top-scored with four off two balls and hit the only boundary, batting at 10. What a great day for him.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, if you really – I mean, they were playing at their home ground, um, so they should have known the conditions. Uh, eight out of their ten wickets were caught in the cordon, mainly by the keeper, but there were some, you know, good slip catches. They were out in 5.5 overs. Yes. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, actually, the funny thing about that was they had bowled quite well because they restricted – well, they were playing Adelaide, and Adelaide only got one hundred and thirty nine, which isn't, you know, a big total for for T Twenty nowadays. Um, in fact, Colin de Grandon was playing for for Adelaide, and he got thirty three uh, off twenty four balls, yes. um, and and then so out went Adelaide to to try and defend this modest one thirty nine, <laughs> and they win by one hundred and twenty four runs. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the cracker, isn't it? But I, um, they're not the worst team, I'd have to say. In terms of the, they've got, they've got some decent players. That guy, uh, from Afghanistan, Faruqi, the fast bowler, left armour, he's in that yeah. team. Uh, they got tails, yeah, yeah, from the from the uh, w- English World Cup team. They've got Riley Rousseau, who's uh, the South African, of course. That Ben Cutting has played for Aussie. And so is Daniel Sams. He's played for Aussie as well. So they've they've got a few players in their team. Just one of those days. You know, Rashid Khan for Adelaide didn't bowl a ball <laughs> in the match, <laughs> and and neither did Siddle. So um, yeah, I mean it, they just nicked obviously everything they they played towards, and it went to hand. But look, it's not the only low digit scores. You've had in cricket wads. I mean, no. even in, even in first-class cricket, you know, uh, if, you, if you look at the tournament that's been going on the longest, which is that English one, the English county one, before they had motorised, you know, mowers, and, you know, with before the advances and groundsmen and so on, most of them were before, were before World War I, um, and there's been about 25 scores less than 20, I had a quick look and read up because it's quite an interesting one, isn't it, really? And <laughs> the one I do remember, the one I remember, because we were touring England when it happened. And Surrey were playing up the road uh, against Essex in Chelmsford. And Chelmsford batted and got about 280 on day one. It had been raining in the morning. And then Surrey went in right at the end of the day. And half the team, of course, retreated into the nice part in, in, uh, you know, in the place where you go at the end of the day after you've had a hard day, into the bath, into the communal bath that they used to have in England. <laughs> and, you have your, and you have your beer and that sort of thing or your quiet drink. And at the door burst open and in came Alan Butcher, who was the captain of Surrey, and said, Get the pads on. We're five for eight. And, <laughs> and so there was, a, there was a mad scramble. Essex had people like Fletcher and and, and Gooch and uh, Brian Hardy and there was a guy the spinner of Ray East and so on, but it was it was the West Indian called Norbert Philip, who was doing the damage, uh, also with Neil Foster who played for England as well. Anyway, so two quicks were bowling, and uh, and, and and old Sylvester Clark apparently oh. had to go out. Yeah, man, was he a nasty bowler? Um, oh, West yeah. Indian. And there's a bar named after him up the top of the new stand now in, in Surrey. And anyway, he went out and he had no socks on and soap all over his head <laughs> from the bath. <laughs> I thought that was a cracker. <laughs> a big, and, they were, and they were bowled out for 14. Followed on, got two for 180 next day and it rained and they drew the match after scoring 14. <laughs> what a cracker of a game.
0: Yeah, I'll bet you there's a lot of stories like that around the history of the game. And it just gave me a chance to really mock T20 because that's what you go for, to see runs. And, uh, you know, fifteen's not a lot of runs. But we will, um, we will enjoy that moment for the Sydney Thunder and talk about more serious things. About two-metre Henry, Henry Shipley, a new man in the ODI squad, a man who's got 12... Ford Trophy wickets this summer at 11, and he's got eight wickets in the Pluckett Shield at 26. Here's Gavin Larson
3: talking about Henry Shipley. Oh, look, he, he, he's a player that's been on our radar for, for a few years now, probably five or six years. Um, he's performed really well over the last couple of years. I mean, he's a, I consider him to be a genuine all-rounder. Um, he's, he's tall, tall timber. Um, and he's a power hitter, um, so he offers a, a really good all-round skill set and you know, genuine all-rounders are like gold dust in cricket and um, we'd like to think that he'll you know, develop his skills on this tour and consider to um, you know, push hard for us. You're impressed by his versatility? Yeah, look, that, and that's probably a big key is the, is the flexibility um, in terms of his game. Um, he's bowled through the middle, he bowls at the death, he takes the new ball. Um, he's got good pace um, as well, and because of his height, he gets he gets really good bounce too. Um, so he, he gets good batsmen out, but then and with his batting, he's got the ability to to go big and clear the boundary. But there's a there's a um, really strong degree of batsmanship, you know, about his game as well, which is which is equally exciting. So how effective can he be in Pakistan and India? Yeah, look, I mean, the pitches over there are going to be a challenge for you know all our bowlers, and you know we've seen. The conditions, you know, over the past, and, and what what do get presented in Pakistan and India, and um, it, it, it'll be a learning experience um, for, for Henry. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I equally know he'll be jumping out of his skin, and you know, once he gets on the paddock and, and starts expressing his skills, and that'll be, you know, that'll be as brief. Just just do what you've been doing at domestic level so well. Um, you know, I'm sure he'll transition um, really nicely. Tell us what improvements you've noticed recently. Um, it, consistency um i think he's groomed his his action um he's he's clearly receives good coaching um down here through you know pete fulton and the and the canterbury crew um so that that that's good and i think it's another illustration of um you know the, the depth of our of our first class game our domestic game and the um high performance processes that we've got that we are you know continuing to to bring through guys um like henry um but he, 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 he's held his pace um, and he gets good batsmen out and that's that's what's exciting to us. And of course, the need for some rest and rotation? Yeah, it's been, um, I mean, it, it, it's a conveyor belt of cricket, um, isn't it, at international levels and, you know, we, we've got two very important test matches against England and, you know, bringing Kane and Tim back and, and letting them sort of recharge their batteries both mentally and physically and start to prepare for those England tests is, is really really crucial, crucial. Equally, there are going to be players who who box right through and um, play in the ODIs and the T20s in India, who may well be part of um, the Test squad as well. But um, we've, you know, approached it on a case by case basis. You know, we we will always do what we believe is best for for the player.
0: Gavin Larson speaks highly of this guy, Shipley, and, and a lot of people do. He's not yet got a record that um, demands a place from him, but quite clearly he's an all-rounder. He's the kind of man we want in our one-day team. Yeah, good point,
2: Wadge. I
0: mean, he, to
2: me, looking at those two sides that have been named, he's the most interesting addition uh, to the side for me because... And we need them. New Zealand need them. That's why, really. He can join Santner and he can join Bracewell um, in in that number seven and eight position where we've lacked runs in the past. Um, he's obviously a bowling all rounder, so perhaps a more of an eight than a seven. And I don't know where he bats for Canterbury, but the height he is good. seven. Uh, certainly, Larson... Gives him a good rap. Um, and, and I think that's the sort of player we're talking about at the moment. And if we think about Kyle Jamieson that came in, was tall again, bowler first, bats as well. Now, Jamieson may have had a bit more batting than, um, than Shipley. I don't know because he was an opener, wasn't he, at one point? I think um, when he started, yep. Yeah. I mean, Shipley can develop and that's a very good thing. I think that's a good selection to have a look at. And it does make you wonder a little, and I'm just throwing this in. It's a little bit odd. I think I saw that the two major coaches, Ested and Jurgensen, uh, are not going to India. I just want, with well, that's of course where the World Cup is in less than a year, as Larson has just mentioned. And he... And one of his charges, Jurgensen's charges, is going to be Shipley, and I would have thought that would have been a very useful time for him to get calmly alongside and working with a new bowler, having having a good look at him close up and working out things that he can assist him with. Uh, and that won't happen.
0: Yes, the interesting part of that, of course, is that the uh, the coach is going on to India is Luke Ronke, Bob Carter, and Paul Wiseman. Um, yeah, well, and they're joining, them, aren't they? Yeah, and none of them are the um, the fast bowling coaches that they need. But I think it also highlights as well uh, the importance of ensuring that uh, they do continue with the softly, softly approach with Jameson because if uh, if Shipley comes through, then those two are going to be Important and we look back at uh, test matches. Look at that guy Marco Janssen, how important he is to South Africa. You know, six foot 15, and you know, he, he gets bounced. They've got those big, quick bowlers, South Africa, and we've got to look to try and make Shipley and Jameson the same for New Zealand, don't we?
2: Yep, we certainly do. It seems as though the two sides, of course, given that Nisham and the Grand'Homme and Bolt and Guptil are doing their own thing. There's a bit of gravitational pull, isn't there, from, from the T20 batting, the addition of, of Chapman uh, and Glenn Phillips, although he's been included in the test recently and so on. But Duffy's come from first-class cricket. But as I say, for me, Shipley's the most interesting addition. Sody's there, of course. He's had 37 ODIs now. He's got a, a one and a half wickets a game, 48 and he's, that's over the seven years. He's averaging in the mid-30s. And I don't really mind... So, you know, I was a bit against selecting him in the test match because I don't think his figures... And he finds it harder to get people out in tests who are trying to stay in with a, with a modicum of defence about them, even though you have men around the bat. Um, he just isn't creating the chances. Um, he's averaging closer to 50 per wicket than he is, you know, to 45. Uh, he plays mainly overseas in tests and, and doesn't run through teams. He's getting two and a half test wickets per match. So, but I think in the ODIs, as we're talking now, he where people are attacking him in the shorter formats, I think it makes more sense.
0: Yeah, well, he's one of our successful bowlers. Uh, I think most wickets taken in uh, T20 cricket for New Zealand in the last 12 months. And so, you know, he is a significant player. And we've seen in that series that uh, England played in Pakistan, the importance, the significance of spin bowling. Ryan Ahmed, Jack Leach, uh, Abra, the, the new Pakistan leg spinner. They have to take something to match that, don't they? Because, I mean, those pitches were were pretty ordinary pitchers, weren't they? And uh, when, you, when you look at some of the, the bowling that was on show, yes, there was some good pace bowling from Ollie Robinson and from Mark Wood, but it was the spinners. Ryan Ahmed, 18 years of age, taking five for in a test match. Yeah, that's,
2: that's extraordinary. The youngest man to do so, I believe. I think Brian Close, who was a batsman, of course, and not so much a leggy. Um, I think he was 18 as well but I think this little this this guy um, just beats him so yeah he's
0: Daniel Daniel Vittori was 18 too wasn't he when he came into the New Zealand side must have been yes he was very young very young
2: Um, um, I think this kid again is also the youngest to get a five wicket haul but Vittori's around there that's for sure because he's he got a five wicket bag didn't he quite early on yes he did Um, yep but yes, uh, the spin wads, um, Pakistan, gee, it was an interesting series. It's been for me the most interesting part of of, of world cricket this year to see the way that England played in that series. Um, I, I I just found the way that they played made Pakistan, particularly in that first Test match at Rawalpindi on that horrible pitch. You're talking about pitches. Um, uh, scoring runs so fast they took 155 overs to bowl Pakistan out in the first innings then they crashed it with the bat again with a smallish lead and then an ambitious declaration, wasn't it really by, yes. by Stokes um, attacking fields consistently putting pressure on the Pakistan batsmen um, whacking it when they batted. Stokes's captaincy, continually, you know, reminding players, forget about failing, removing the fear of failure, um, and it, it seems a constant message. If there's one message that's come through for me, that's what it's been from those from from uh, Stokes and from McCullum.
0: Yeah, and, and it was interesting watching it. And, and, and a point that I sort of uh, noted down with each test match Stokes, and uh, of course, with the batting of McCullum, was proactive within the England side in terms of decision making, changes, et cetera, et cetera, the things that he did. Whereas Pakistan were reactive. And I think there's a lesson there for New Zealand going there if they can adopt a similar approach, they're not going to be Ben Stokes's and they? they're not going to be a Brendan McCullum. but I think they've got to be positive and uh, assured in going about their business, being uh, proactive in everything that they do. That's how they're going to challenge this Pakistan side, because quite clearly they can be beaten at home.
2: Absolutely. Um, I think you're absolutely, I totally agree with the fact that they pick out the bones of what they saw from England and, while they can't replicate it, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think they've quite got some of those. The bowlers, the bowlers were really interesting, weren't they, for, for England? I mean, apart from the enterprising approach with the batting, it wasn't just restricted to that. It was, it was the bowling in Pakistan, yeah. really. leech most overs, top wickets. Um, Robinson, nine wickets. Anderson and Wood, eight wickets. And then kids on debut. You mentioned Ryan Armour at a moment. That leg spinner. He got seven wickets in that last test. Will Jacks, who plays for Surrey is a number three batsman, bowls part-time off-spin. Got six wickets in in that in that first Test match. And so England have taken twenty wickets in nine out of ten occasions in the last six months. Now that's not just batting; it's creating time for the bowlers. Yes but it's not just batting and hitting the ball it is it is they've got better bowlers than we think and that's what new zealand need to discuss how can we get this next guy out and if you go for runs we'll chase them down later that's the sort of feeling that i got from england
0: yeah And it's the interesting point that you made too. It shows that Stokes has faith in Jack Leach, whereas in the past, they bowled him at odd times just because they needed somebody to fill in a few overs. In this series, he was a key part of their bowling attack. He's got his own confidence levels up. And you've made the point about uh, bowling spinners. That's what we have to do with our bowlers. We've not only got to learn the art of reverse swing in Pakistan, we've also got to have confidence to bowl our spinners and be aggressive. They were opening test matches with spin bowlers. I mean, you got close to doing that in uh, Pakistan when you were leading a side, weren't you? Uh, Martin Crowe yeah. opened some, some of the bowling. Paul McEwen bowled. You bowled first change in one of the tests. Goodness me. Yeah,
2: part of that may have been injury and illness. I don't know. <laughs> but, but you're right. You're right. I think that's the thing that, that we learned from that. You, don't be frightened to try something. And, yeah, you're right about um, – I, see, I don't think our traditional methods will quite work in Pakistan. Seaming the ball, swinging the ball greenish pitches in New Zealand, no spinners being used. That's not going to work. We're also going to have to bowl round the wicket for our right-arm bowlers because then it brings Michael Bracewell into play, you know, into the game. If we haven't got a left-armer there, we're going to have to make our own. And And I just, I just feel we aren't trying enough things. And that's why I suggested, in a sort of slightly cheeky way, That Ferguson, I'm not sure quite why we haven't worked with him a bit more in the past or Milne in the future so that we've got someone who bowls 140 and we teach him to reverse swing the ball so that he now becomes the danger when we go over to Asia. We've got to develop those players, I think, Wads. We'll work quietly on them. I mean, 10 overs, Ferguson's bowling 10 overs in the one-day game, isn't he? How much harder yeah. is it for him to bowl 15?
0: Well, he bowls in so, spells of five.
2: Well, there you go. So, yeah. so I, just, I just feel it's not beyond the realms of possibility of grabbing these guys and just stretching them just a little bit. We don't want them to be injured. Of course we don't. We all know that. But I just feel those things are available if we try them and handle it the right way and manage it properly.
0: Yes, indeed. They're on the plane to uh, Karachi. They're only having a very short lead-in. I worry about that. Uh, They could have gone a little bit earlier and perhaps had some games. But, of course, there's the the issue of the illnesses and viruses that seem to be around over there. Some of the England players were crook, but were still able to play in the test matches there. And uh, before they left, uh, Shane Jurgensen spoke about the bowling options that uh, they face.
1: You know, a lot of guys have been performing very well domestically and, and in our recent ODI series so uh, with, that, with that confidence and uh, we had a, pre- a camp last week as well to, to really specifically um, sharpen our, pre- our preparation I suppose for um, the conditions and the, and the opposition that we might face in Pakistan. Yeah it looks like the wickets are quite you know, sort of slow docile Potentially flat wickets, offering some spin and uh, a good opportunity to you know, try and have an impact with the new ball if you can, but then quickly switch to having an impact with the old ball. So there's a really uh, role for all our bowlers over there in, in, uh, in Pakistan, and we're going to have to bowl well as a bowling unit. Yeah, I think we've got Ish Sodhi back in the, the test squad, which is fantastic for him. Um, really good opportunity. You can see the impact that leg spinners have had in that series that has just been played between Pakistan and England. Uh, so no doubt he'll come into consideration with the the, uh, the selectors um, and then of course you've got our two off spinners uh gp glenn phillips who's been bowling really well always bowling loves bowling Beast's, uh michael bracewell have done some fantastic work for us in the white ball game uh, during the winter and 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 obviously uh, ajaz patel who's been a fantastic performer for us in the subcontinent um, um you know what obviously remembering what he done in india so He's been preparing really well and had some specific preparation and been bowling well for central districts.
0: And finally, looking to the uh, Test Match Series in Pakistan, uh, the home side have named their squad, haven't they, uh, Jerry?
2: Yeah, they have wads. You know, obviously the usual suspects are there, so the batting remains principally the same. Shan Masood, Shafiq, Imam al-Haq, Baba, Saud Shakil, of course, who had a good series against England, Mohamed so, Rizwan. So there's there's the six. They've got Salman Agha, who who didn't really do a lot there. He's supposed to be an all-rounder, but did hardly bowl at all. He's there as well. As far as the spinners concerned, Abra, of course, is there. Nauman Ali, who's the left-arm um, orthodox. And they've kept zahir Mahmoud, who's another leg spinner. So two leg spinners. And then they brought in again Mohammed Nawaz. Remember the guy who uh, in the yes. T20 that uh, yeah got hit at the, in the last over? Um, he's there as a left-arm spinner. But the, the real change for New Zealand they're going to have to confront. I mean, uh, Pakistan were a bit hampered, weren't they, against England? Unlucky with injuries of the fast bowlers. But um, there's no Shaheen Shah Afridi. But there is Hassan Ali has come back. And Nasim Shah has come back. And Wazi, uh, Muhammad Wasim is there as well. Now, he's a, he's the guy who bowled in the third test, who bowled reverse swing at about 100, high 130s, perhaps 140, about there. So shorter guy, slingy action. And then they brought in another guy called Cameron Gulam, who's a, an all-rounder as well. He bowls left-arm orthodox as well. So he averages 47. So he's a batsman. Uh, who bowls a bit. So that's the kind of, te- I think, a slightly stronger side with the addition of those fast bowlers coming back
0: in against New Zealand.
1: Brian Waddle, Jeremy Coney, yes, my- on the front foot.
0: It only happened for the second time. A test in Australia completed in under two days, and the second shortest by balls bowled in Australia. I, I got to say, I was. Appalled by not only the pitch, the fact that it lasted two days, but some of the quality of the play. Uh, Varenda Sawag was pretty critical of things. Uh, One of the comments made, a lot of the wickets were from bad technique, no skills shown, and uh, there was some good skill, but it it was... It's just not an advertisement for cricket. I don't know how you feel about it, Jerry, but I think that um, the the game needs better than that when we're really pushing uh, to keep the the test match game as the premier game, the forefront of international cricket.
2: Yeah, I, I take a, a no. I, I agree with you. The pitch was was not good, um, and cricket is a much better spectacle, though, when bowlers hold the advantage a bit. It's just a question of how much advantage, isn't it? And, and, and it's the underlying principle of the game, really, that there is a contest between bat and ball. And, um, you know, but this one wasn't really a balance, was it? It was, it was made batting very difficult. But I'd rather have a bat like that, and this is where I may differ from you slightly, I'd rather have a balance like that than one that becomes a run fest, you know, runs without yep. risk um, uh, that become dull. And now I think they do more damage to cricket than even this particular type of pitch. And so often we've seen, and we've got to you know, understand sometimes and remember that we play on turf. You know, it's we've seen in the past where every pitch is the same. We've had that in New Zealand, haven't we? Flat predictable big totals dreary draws coming from it where one team gets 600 one gets 500 and it's two for 350 in the in the last ter- last the third yeah. innings so it it's quite hard sometimes to get a perfect balance and that's that's what they didn't have in this particular case it can't be created every time as long as i think the pitch is good enough that the better players, even at test level, can score on them. I mean, I would rather have a pitch like the Gabba than the one that I saw at Rawalpindi. Yes. Um, I, I, I thought that was a much worse pitch than the Gabba. Um, yes, and it, at the Gabba, I think those punters who had bought tickets for day three and four, they'd be really disappointed. It was clearly over-watered. They overegged it. Yeah, um, it's but, the greenest I've but, ever seen. The Gabba. Well, well, yeah. The well, it was pretty green against England, if you remember all that rain. Remember before the the Ashes, yes. the first test in the Ashes. But uh, you know, England at the Gabba in about two thousand and I don't know eleven. I'm guessing scored five hundred and twenty for one, and 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 I think. You know, you wouldn't want a whole series of matches like that, nor would you want a whole series of matches finishing in two days. I mean, that's, that was not the aim.
0: That was Jonathan Trott, wasn't it? Was he one of the? That's
2: correct. is the,
0: the Trott yeah.
2: and, and, and probably Alistair Cook, I'm thinking, or yes. you know, or Strauss. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I watched that match, a bit of that match uh, you just talked about, and the Gabber and didn't I didn't take much oh, of no, your time. That's, no, that's tough. Um, yeah. especially when you think about it, two, two of the best fast attack, fast attacks exactly. in the world. Yeah. Um, and actually if you include lion and Maharaj, some not bad spinners either and, and no. some very good catching. Um, so the interesting thing for me was, is I didn't think it was unfit. I didn't think it was dangerous. Um, it may have become that, because we only saw two days, um, but clearly you could see, and I watched on the second day, um, you could see all those little marks that the ball leaves, you know, those scallopy kind of, you know, that, that leaves in the pitch. If they start to dry, the edges of those, and they start to then to crumble, that's when it starts to take off. And that's when it gets very nasty. And it's those that brought the variable bounce. But I was interested to see what Richie Richardson, who was the match referee, said about that. Um, It was rated, whether you believe it or not, below average. Now that comes with it, one demerit point. And only one pitch in the last, what, five or six years has been rated poor, not under average. Poor is worse. And that was the pitch where South Africa were playing against India at Joburg, where Dean Elger got hit all over the place, and they actually stopped the game for a couple of hours and then restarted it again on the fourth day. But the ICC process, it seems, isn't, isn't working to me. Um, Richie Richardson, the match ref, said, the pitch is too much in favour of the bowlers. Uh, And there's excessive seam movement and occasional delivery kept low. That was about the Gabba. I find the pitch below average as per the ICC guidelines, since there was not an even contest between bat and ball. Now, I then went to the ICC guidelines. (laughs) And here's here's what they say about a poor pitch and how you rate it as poor. A poor pitch is one that doesn't allow an even contest between bat and ball. <laughs> well, yeah. Richie's just said that. So really, he should have rated it a poor pitch. And the, then it gives a, a five little criteria of what is a poor pitch. And the first one says, if it offers excessive seam movement at any stage of the match. And Richie, <laughs> Richie said it had excessive movement. So, I, I can't see why. You see, the, the point is, one demerit I think is very lenient for that pitch. I don't know what you think. From what you've said, you'd think the same. Yeah. But yeah. You've, got to get, you've got to get, you know, less than five in about five years. Otherwise, you, you're out. You're not used for test matches. And you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to improve and prove that you've done that. Uh, before you can be used again. But a poor rating, if this had been rated poor, which it was, um, it gets three demerit points of the five. So you're getting close and the pressure's on you. see. And what is, what is excessive movement? Excessive means too much. Well, what's that? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Your rating of excessive might be, Different than mine, be different than Richie. You know, um, what what is an even contest between bat and ball? As a batsman, forty runs on a pitch like that at the GABA is is worth more than a hundred sometimes on benign conditions. Uh, and runs, in other words, they matter. They matter on a difficult service surface, and you need a lot of skill and you need judgment, and you need courage, and you need luck. And you need to play with a bit of enterprise, you know what I mean? Because you're not going to be in that long. You're going to get a ball with your name on it. So you play quite aggressively, and that's where South Africa failed. They stayed, they batted okay in parts, but if they'd have scored 60 more, they could have won that game.
0: Well, uh, they've certainly taken some action, which I I guess is important. Uh, People were remembering also the uh, test match between England and India last year, played in Ahmedabad, where um, England lost by 10 wickets. They were bowled out for 112. Uh, India made 145, which wasn't much better. But then England were um, all out for 81 in their second innings, India getting the 49 required without losing a wicket. So, Every now and again, these bad pitches are coming up and they have to be dealt with. I don't know whether they've played yeah, Armada bad since then.
2: That's my point, though. One, one, one pitch in five or six years? Come mm. on, there's more than that. And it does mention, I've mentioned just seeming because that's what Gabba was doing, but it mentions spin, you know, movement from spin as well. So, yeah, I, I, it's just all a bit vague, isn't it? That's all.
0: Yes, it is. And uh, we will be interesting to See just um, what the final outcome of you, you probably never hear the final outcome from the well, ICC. No, it's, re- but, it's uh, been
2: it's been it's been rated below average that pitch. That's its rating. So it gets one demerit point. It should have been well, poor, three points,
0: <laughs> and that's a fair point, Jeremy. Three fair <laughs> points. It's okay. Boxing Day, goodness me! They'll only just be in the country and settled into their hotel room. And uh, they'll be playing, playing. A, a test match.
2: Yeah, yeah. they it's will. Stuff going. Okay, so as yep. our next one uh, straight after that match, is it?
0: After, after the test match in uh, Karachi, yep. And Jolly then good. they'll all hit, head off up to Multan. So, in the meantime, we will be able to enjoy a nice Christmas Day feast. I'm sure that you will uh, enjoy one. What are Jeremy? you having, what? Can you wish...
2: The turkey? Are you having the traditional turkey no. with bread sauce, no. which makes it drier?
0: No, terrible. we're just having a, a quiet family, a family function at uh, my son's place. And so that will be yep. um, probably a barbecue uh, style with um, some, uh, some nice little red vino, I would think.
2: I've Sounds been told like by day. my builder who's just arrived that we're going to have very good weather. Very good weather on... Uh, and as I look out now... It's hard to believe him. It's raining like mad down here. But anyway, he knows yep. the people who work like this wads. They know the weather, like
0: they farmers. Do.
2: Yeah. Yep. Whether they yeah. wear glasses and, or not doesn't matter.
0: And groundkeepers, they all know when and the rain ground. is coming.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes they do. Well, not this. Not you, mate. The Gabba didn't, did he?
0: No, he didn't. So we'll leave it uh, at that. Have a enjoyable Christmas, JC, and uh, we wish yeah. all our number of listeners that we have a very Merry Christmas as well. Thanks for joining us throughout the year. Yeah, it's been excellent. Thanks, Wadge. You have a good time clear Claire
2: round at Nathan's. It'll be great, I'm sure. You'll enjoy it. We will indeed.
1: Cheers. For the wonderful days of summer This week on The
2: Parenting Hangover, we have a very special guest, Hamish Blake, of Hamish and Andy fame, of the podcast How Other Dads Dad, is our guest on the podcast. He's like a dad that I definitely idolise. I'm really excited for this.
1: Here I am freaking out about what we're going to talk about, and then we both just agreed like a minute before it started, just bantered to him like he's a regular dad, and that's what we did, and he's just a legendary dad, so I'm I'm stoked for you guys to hear this one. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New
3: episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.